0: Welcome to the latest edition of Talking Data. Our Talking Data series seeks to offer timely insights into macro market themes along with macro data and its impact on the economy and markets. I'm Kristen Radish of Arbor Research and Trading, and as always, I will be your host today. Our presenters are Jen Bianco of Bianco Research and Ben Breitholtz of Arbor Data Science. Over the course of this week, we have fielded dozens of inquiries pertaining to the violent sell-off in the equity markets. Today, we will offer our thoughts on the topic. Jim, we're gonna get started with you. What is the catalyst? Is it COVID, is it the election, or is it something else?
1: Uh, I think it's largely more COVID than the election. I am of the opinion, maybe Ben, you disagree, that the election is really not at play now. Maybe next week that becomes a story. (laughs) And the reason I think it's COVID is people are looking at what's happening in Europe and they're seeing a massive spike in cases. They're seeing a reimposition of lockdowns and there's a concern that's our future, that it's coming this way, a massive spike in cases and that there may be another lockdown. Now, I wanna be clear about one thing. I've been arguing the reaction function is cases. I understand people will say, what about deaths? Who's getting sick? What about mortality rates? And yeah, that stuff probably matters more, but the way that the reaction goes is it goes by cases. Cases go up, people stop traveling, and lockdowns ensue. And so I think really what the market is worried about is that increase of COVID cases add to that the lack of a fiscal stimulus. We've been (laughs) hoping, assuming, we being the collective of the market, we were going to get one since August. And here we are now, five days before the election, and Who knows if we're going to get one? And the market might be getting worried at this point that if there is a blue sweep, then we're not even going to start stimulus talk until January 20th, that the lame duck session is just not going to play ball. And then the the Democrats will have to start it January 20th and see how fast they can get it passed, probably a month, and how fast then it gets into everybody's hands, probably another month. And so then we're looking at, like, you know, March before anybody gets any kind of fiscal relief. Ben, how about you? What's your thoughts on the uh, sell-off?
2: Yeah, I think the, the, it's hard to really connect the election. You know, there's a lot going on. Of course, we've seen now Florida and North Carolina kind of go a little bit of both ways, you know, Biden, Trump, and so on. Um, I, I I agree. I think that there's been over-focus on the election as a as a major market event, like we talked about in our last podcast the elections historically, you know, before um, 2016, really weren't that exciting of events, and that's kind of the norm. It's it's just that we have this imprint in our head that we had this huge, you know, uh, rally in equities, we had this big jump in yields, and we got to be uh, positioned for that. That's exactly how people positioned, um, especially in treasuries. But I think there there are the two two main drivers. I think still apply, and I would agree with you, Jim. The the COVID story is one, um, and that is also then feeding into the fiscal policy story and the inability for us to get a get a deal. What I do note is that if you look at all the press conferences and briefings uh, of mayors, governors, senators, whoever. Um, what you'll see is there's been this sudden uptick in the discussion of quarantines and lockdowns, which is um, you know, really uh, not something the US uh, you know, wants. It's not what most of us expect, but uh, based on, like you said, Macron, uh, Germany, UK, talking about lockdowns and quarantines, they are being discussed here more. So if you, again, on average, these officials are talking about quarantines five times per speech. Uh, whereas we were only talking about maybe one or two times per speech there uh, in in the prior few months. So that is a concern. I think that is uh, hitting markets.
1: Yeah. You know, just real quick, just politically, um, if you look at what Mark Meadows said, he's the chief of staff, that uh, we can't control the virus and the Democrats went crazy about that. I actually think that's right. I actually think a lot of us are probably thinking, look, we just have to practice responsible behavior. And do the best we can, and keep the um, vulnerable, you know, um, even more protected, and move on with our life. But if you're a politician and you suggest that, uh, you know, you you get escoriated. You're supposed to you're supposed to have a plan to crush the virus. Unfortunately, the plan crushes the economy too, or at least that's what the fear is as we move forward. So I think it's a legitimate fear that what we're seeing in Europe with this massive spike. I mean, Europe's. Cases peaked at 30,000, 40,000 in April. We're at 150,000 right now. That's a rolling seven day average, maybe 160,000. Um, that, you know, if the US is on its way well above 100,000 to 120,000, that's going to be politically impossible to just sit there and go, well, well, we just have to live with this. That there will be massive calls for action, and that means, you know, scaling back the economy. So I think it's a it's a legitimate uh, concern. Ben, let me throw out a well, and- question. Yeah, go ahead. Sure. No, uh, it, to...
2: it, go ahead and throw the question, it'll go with that.
1: Yeah. How concerned should we be? Well, how, I mean, yeah. yeah,
0: how concerned should we be?
1: Yeah, sorry.
2: Yeah, um, it, so that, I think it's a great question. The, the The answer is right now, you know, not overtly concerned. the The high frequency data is what I think is most critical to watch. We saw a slowing of that once in June. I, and that ultimately didn't materialize in anything too major we're kind of seeing the same thing play out again where mobility i don't care if it's you know people going to parks recreation or to retail establishments that has plateaued to to fallen and where it's fallen the most is in the midwest where we've seen these really rampant rises in cases you know wisconsin still has some communities with 25 plus percent positive test rates that's actually come down to us we, we're just outside chicagoland we're running around 12 to 15 percent positive test rates and that is having an impact on on the consumer psyche jim you've been a big proponent of that, that like you said the case counts matter even if it isn't the hospital system that's getting overrun or deaths it is altering the psychology and really the wherewithal of consumers in addition there's two ways to look at search activity both on the one is commercial industrial front and the other is on the consumer side corroborating the slowdown in mobility is a drop in consumer activity and a willingness to purchase appliances, um, you go out and, and of course use services, The services continue to be demolished, but that good side, the ability, you know, the willingness to go out and buy stuff, apparel, uh, going to buy, like I said, appliances and so on, that started to slow down. And we've even seen some modest cracks um, in the housing market. Now on the commercial side, everything, that is, you know, it can be very services-based, accounting, and so on, has fallen off the map. Not surprising, given um, you know the end of the of the uh, tax season. But um, on the industrial side of manufacturing, which had been kind of a strong performer uh, for a while, there is also starting to roll over um, to our baseline forecast of so where search activity should be. So we're kind of on this precipice, and we can match that precipice with a search search activity mobility slowing with what's happening uh, in the real economy in terms of the real numbers. Um, And if you look at those, there's kind of two there to look at that's important, I think, one being what is econ data doing both here in the U.S. and globally? And right now we're right above 50% of economies across the globe producing above trend, meaning one average growth rates, um, which is, again, we're right on the fence there. And then the commodity market though is uh, now rolled over. We were right at 50% again, led by industrial metals and softs, uh, but now that, 50% of those producing positive year-to-year gains looking at across all commodities has now dropped to 30 to 35%. That's not good. So if we kind of come off the fence here from some of these key metrics, I think then you want to get concerned. Um, Right now, not horribly concerned, um, but there's some stuff that's right on the
1: edge. I would agree with all that. And if I was to throw in another uh, twist in there, it's twofold, fiscal stimulus. I think the biggest holdup of fiscal stimulus, you know, as much as I hate to say it, is the inability of the stock market, well, maybe that's the wrong way to say it, is the stock market is not declined. If you want to get fiscal stimulus, you have to scare Washington. And the only thing that scares them is the stock market decline. And let's call that 15% or more. In late September, we got down to a 10% correction. We pretty much double topped and now we're about 8% off the high. It's not enough to, that's going to do it. The other concern I would give you is Bill Dudley's op-ed in Bloomberg yesterday. He's the former New York Federal Reserve chairman. And he basically said, we're done. The Fed can't do any more. Oh, Yeah, they could ramp up and buy a couple of more bonds. They could buy a couple more corporate bond ETFs, but they can't do anything if we're really gonna start going down if the economy a lot. It's on Washington in order to do something about it. And again, if there's a blue sweep, but the only thing that's going to get any movement before January 20th is going to be you tank the stock market enough to scare the bejesus out of everybody. You might get them to move. Remember the famous TARP vote from 2008. They, they, they didn't pass TARP and they were all slapping each other in the back. The stock market puked on itself and they couldn't rush back fast enough to pass it a week later uh, and stuff. You might have to have that kind of a scenario in order to keep going. So that's where I think the, uh, the bigger concern is. Uh, Kristen, what's our final question? Because I gotta, I want to tie it into the middle part too.
0: Sure. Why isn't the bond market reacting? Um, and is 60-40 dead?
1: I would argue, first of all, this is the biggest concern that I see, is that with the sell-off, you can't get bonds to give that typical risk-off rally, that when stocks are going down, you get that bond rally. We're at 83 basis points, as we talk in the 10-year note right now. It is not going down. And if it's not going down, you're not going to get that positive response you would get to a sell-off in the stock market. Maybe you could push back and say, well, it's only 8% that the stock market's gone down. Okay, I'll I'll, I'll buy into that, that maybe we need a little bit more to get that reaction out of the bond market. But we're not seeing it right now. And if we're not seeing that reaction in the bond market, 60-40 isn't working. You're, you're getting an 8% decline on your 40% on your 60% leg of your portfolio but your 40% leg isn't gaining you anything so that's what i mean by the, the 60 40 portfolio isn't working ben what are your thoughts in the bond market
2: so what's unusual uh, lately is that typically when you do get this you know typical risk off scenario you will have money come into Treasuries and not just the long bond. So you'll see a rush even into bills, you'll see a rush into the belly of the curve, and we can measure this via ETF flows. And in the most recent episode, since we've had this, you know, rollover, like so 8 to 9% rollover, money has only gone into the ultra long end of the curve so we've seen some fervent flows that are kind of on par with typical risk off but none of that none nothing is really going into anything that's really shorter than you know probably 10 years uh, in maturity on an etf flow basis and that money is going somewhere else it, you know for safety and i think the fact that now the u.s dollar too has the kind of the strongest negative correlation to a risk asset portfolio is kind of telling so even the long bonds diminished, you know, the belly of the curve and so on, those correlations have gotten less negative. They're still negative. So it still says the 60-40, I guess, kind of works. Um, it's just substantially um, dampened. But I think the fact that this year and then in the most recent uh, number of months, investors are no longer piling into treasuries the way they kind of did during risk off events, that means that they get the joke potentially and they are seeking alternative um, you know, vehicles to try to find the, those those cor- uh, find the negative correlation that could be as easy as options. We've seen that just a huge bur- you know burst in options activity. I'm not surprised by that. I think that's what we should expect in this environment, maybe not to the degree it has. But then in addition, I think currencies, you know, currencies are going to potentially become the new non-negative you know, correlation or non-correlated asset class for investors to get into. That's a complicated one. Uh, but you can see the dollar right now is, you know, has been, even though it's, you know, it dollars up a lot today uh, along with stocks. But still, uh, it's offered really the best negative correlation during periods of stress. So I don't know if the 60-40 is dead um, but I think that investors are already behaving differently than they had in years past. And that is confirmation that there is something that's shifting here.
1: Yeah, so let me sum up my thoughts um, here is I really think what's going on is a reaction to COVID if in Europe and the fear it's going to come here and the necessity that if it comes here that politicians will react. They cannot just say, got to learn to live with it. And so if we start seeing case counts spike, uh, then we're going to have to see some kind of action being done on it. And the other fear, I think, is if we get a blue wave, the Republicans won't play ball on a fiscal deal unless the stock market forces them to, which is a fancy way of saying it has to go down um, a lot more. So we we'll have to see how that plays. And the last thing I'll mention about COVID is there is a strong day of week seasonality in it. Nearly every single week, it peaks either Thursday or Friday, occasionally Saturday. And then, you know, the labs are closed on the weekends, which suggests that in the next 48 hours and then in a week, we're going to get a lot of headlines that we make new records. We're going to make new records tonight, tomorrow, maybe in the Saturday. Then the labs close. We back off into Tuesday or Wednesday and then Thursday or Friday of next week. We're right back at the highs. So keep in mind that there is that seasonality. That's why if, you know, I, maybe I watch this stuff too close. If you, if you want, we don't get, we don't get the bellicose headlines on Monday. We get them on Friday because that's when you make the new case highs is on, uh, is usually on Friday. Ben, what's your, um, what's your summary here? Yeah. So
2: I think really, you know, all of us investors, people watching the markets need to pay attention to the politicians, which I know can be um, uber annoying. Um, but, I, you know, we do a lot of natural language processing pulling in all of these uh, mayors, governors, and so on speeches are relating to covid nineteen and throughout this year, whenever they get i see a high degree of uncertainty and they are discussing lockdowns or quarantines in whatever fashion uh, those are times when markets get concerned and that 's what 's happening right now. Uh, and I'm watching to see if things, in terms on the certainty front, gets worse than what we saw in June, and do these, does, you know, do officials keep talking about quarantines and lockdowns, even if we don't get them on a national scale, but get them localized? I think that is going to wreak some havoc potentially in the markets, um, in on consumers, and maybe finally dampen this this grab for durable goods. Um, so I would watch that uh, much, you know, very closely here going into the weeks ahead as these case counts keep keep spiking.
0: Kristen? Well, thank you, Jim. And thank you, Ben, for your thoughts today. And thank you to our audience for joining us. As a reminder, Arbor Research and Trading is an institutional research and brokerage firm. Our two most prominent research offerings are Bianco Research and Arbor Data Science. For further information on Arbor Research, Bianco Research, and Arbor Data Science, please contact Gus Handler at gus.handler at arborresearch.com.